Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shaw McCain, a forensic counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern-day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shaw introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Good evening, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome you to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show Friday night here in L.A. It's a beautiful night. It's not so sweltering hot. I know it's getting cold around the United States and elsewhere, but here it's still kind of hot, and we're still kind of on fire, and we've had a few earthquakes, and it's kind of crazy over here. But we're still, the show must go on. And tonight, I'm very honored to have our special guest, Constance Victoria Briggs. And she's a metaphysical and spiritual cosmic researcher and writer, and we will be discussing her new book, Encyclopedia of the Moon Mysteries. She has authored three previous books, the Encyclopedia of Angels, and the Encyclopedia of God, and the Encyclopedia of the Unseen World. Ms. Briggs has also been a guest speaker on several radio shows discussing the paranormal, extraterrestrials, life after death, near-death experiences, as well as other related topics. It is Ms. Briggs' goal to investigate the, the mysteries of the universe and how they connect to humanity. And she and her family make their home in Southern California. So it's uh, a beautiful night to have this conversation, and I feel quite honored to welcome Ms. Constant Briggs. You're live on the Paranormal the Sacred. Welcome to our show, Ms. Briggs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just I really... Did, I did. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't realize you were so close. I mean, we're both in Southern California. <laughs> we, you, we are. I thought you were in the Midwest somewhere. No, where I'm are you in Diego. Oh, we're close. So I'm, I'm near mm-hmm. the LAX. I'm near the airport. Oh, wow. I know right where you are. Yeah, so I'm just below the, um, you know, I'm in, a, well, you know where uh, Torrance is? Yes. That's right. I'm in old taunts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's yeah, still so. warm here. Yeah, it's still warm out here. It and, is. Uh, <laughs> it's too, I don't like it. You know, the fall's coming, and that's my favorite time of year. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. so this I is grew, really I, good. I, go ahead. I grew up on the East Coast, so, you know, moving to Southern California was a shock to the system, even though I love it. Uh, you know, I feel a little bit, you know, misty at the snow, so. <laughs> well, same thing you know, with me. Where were you, where, where did you grow up? Where were you born? Uh, I, I, well, I was born in South Carolina, but I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, we moved there when I was a child. And uh, so, you know, I grew up with all of the, uh, even though we have seasons out here, you know, it's not the same. Um, but uh, I enjoy both. I could be, you know, on the east or the west. But I do, I do, I miss that crispy fall uh, feeling, you know. Um, but anyway, anyway, I like I do here, too. Okay. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it out here, you know, but I do, I kind of get more, I kind of mourn 
because I lived upstate New York and I was born in Boston, so I kind of mourn uh-huh. the Christmassy, all the fall leaves and all the, um, you know, we used to carol when we were kids, and you know, it was like yeah. all that. But I don't even sure people even do that anymore, especially when now that we have the coronavirus, everybody's stuck at home. Right. So I'm not sure what we remember it like is is ever going to be like that again. Really, when you think about it. Correct. I I agree with you. Life has really changed, and uh, really we don't has. know what the future what the future holds. You know, so yeah. So now's the time that that we uh, kind of we're actually I think people are actually contemplating what are what is your place in the world? What are we doing with ourselves? What what are we going to do next? And uh, this is a very strange time for people. It's time for reevaluation, really, of what we're about. Who, who would I agree? And who would have ever imagined that we would be in a pandemic in our life? You know, I, 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 I guess I just felt that I kept hearing the word, you know, here and there. Oh, you know, something could happen, a pandemic, whatever. I said, no, we have enough science that the whole mm-hmm. world would never shut down for another pandemic. Um, and here we are. I could never have dreamed of it. And uh, it was a shock to my system, like mostly everyone. But watching the young people, I mean, they are just really, really thrown off course because their whole thing is getting out and being social. I have two. I have an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. And the whole, you know, mm-hmm. whole thing is about getting out, being social, starting your life, you know, getting going. And here they're, they're stuck at home. At least, at least in Southern California, some of the states, uh, the states aren't as strict as uh, we have it here in San Diego. But um, you know, yeah, we're the whole stuck here is, too. Yeah, in fact, my daughter was supposed to uh, go to school in L.A. Um, well, in in um, uh, near L.A. in Valencia, and they just you know, shut her college down. So anyway, mm-hmm. we have more more time to write our books and contemplate the moon. Yeah. And, <laughs> Activity going on, and I um, I had to investigate well, like that. And 
So, uh, wow. So when I lived with my parents, we had some paranormal activity of things kind of moving around, the lights going on and off. And uh, when I moved, uh, this went on for years. You know, things you think that you're here, typical things. Um, you know, seeing, uh, 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 I saw once some apparition, um, you know, things flying across the room. Even my father was sleeping with his light on because, you know, something was flying across the room and in the bedroom. But, I mean, yeah. I didn't have I didn't have the answers at that time. And then whatever this thing was, uh, when I was old enough to get my own apartment, you know, and I lived on my own and I was working and going to school, it seemed that it followed me. And um, I had to find some answers. I was not satisfied with, you know, just living with it. So I think um, aside from my already spiritual side, coupled with my research that I started on what in the world this entity could be that was infiltrating my life, I mean, things like pulling the, you know, covers at night, shaking the bed, um, you know, just some of the typical stuff that you hear about, uh, voices or, or whatever, I, I wanted some answers. So that's where I started my research, and one thing led to another, um, and it just set me on this path of learning and growing and knowledge. But I have since learned that because you are having uh, some kind of uh, paranormal experience, paranormal, when people hear the word, they think, you know, because of Hollywood, basically, a lot of times they think it's bad. It doesn't mean it's bad. Sometimes you simply have someone over there that is trying to reach you and get your attention for whatever reason. And they have to do things like move objects. You know, nothing sinister was happening to me. But they were letting me know that they were around. And uh, so since that time, I've understood that that is the case, and that. But I still don't know who it was. I don't still. I still don't know why it was. You know. Um, I had an experience when I was a, a teenager where I saw um, a vision, and uh, you know I can remember that person like today. I was. I. I had actually. I was one of those kids who tried to commit suicide way back when for bullying. Okay, I'll just put it out there. And mm-hmm. um, I, did have a, I did have a vision of what some may call an angel or a guide, and he stood there, and he looked very, very concerned, and he was holding out his hand as if to say, come, let me help you. And I didn't know then at that time what that was either. You know, down the road I've done some research, and I've lived more, and, you know, I know it was someone there to help me. So, um I mean, I could I could be on this call, uh, this uh, show all night, talking about my experiences. I've had um, uh, astral experiences where I've left the body. <laughs> um, that's another show, I guess. But I've, I've left the body. No, and, really, it's, no. it's fascinating. That's what we're all about. Yeah. Really, this is uh, yeah. really. Uh... So uh, yeah, that that you know was amazing for me. I had heard of. Astral travel, if, if anybody is uh, not familiar with it, we have, you know, that body inside of us that some call a spirit, some call a soul, some call a light body. But it, that astral body is, is, is there. It can leave your physical body and it can travel. So 
when uh, we all travel, but we're un- we're usually unconscious or, or we think it was a dream, but some of us can wake up in the middle of them, and that's what started happening to me. I would go to bed, and I would wake up, and I would be out of the body, and the first time that happened, I had a conscious uh, astral experience where I knew what it was, and I was in the sky. I was living in Alexandria, Virginia, if anybody knows the area, uh, at the end of King Street are three apartment buildings. I think two have been knocked down since then. And it overlooked the Woodrow Wilson Bridge. So there was a, a large bridge by my apartment, and I could look down and see the cars driving wow. over the bridge. I knew where I was, and I knew what was going on because I had already heard of astral travel. So, yeah, that's uh, so all of these things sort of set me on my path, um, Uh, My encyclopedia of the unseen world, I decided to write when my father died. My father, uh, from the other side, spent quite a bit of effort trying to get my attention. Um, He pulled one night, pulled a a, a cord, a lamp, out of the outlet. He turned off my light by taking out the cord from the wall. He turned lights on and off. He did, uh, he came in visions. I heard his voice. It was quite an amazing time. So I thought I should just, you know, put in a book that would make it easy for people, easy writing, easy reading, for them to just look up, say, astral travel, angels, the light, yeah. uh, after-death communication. And, it, and these bite-sized pieces came out to be the Encyclopedia of the Unseen World. And I thought people could just pick up this book and do their own little research and then you know, use it as a jump-off point, you know, for, for, for bigger, uh, much bigger research. So that's, that was the idea behind that book. The Moon Mystery Well, that's, that's is the a, book that was presented, that book, you know, because everything's like in a slideshow, and that book has mm-hmm. presented itself on its own. I didn't do that. So <laughs> <laughs> that book wanted to be presented. I didn't. <laughs> Do it. I went. I had her picture on the front, and this picture did it by itself. So there's no way I could correct it unless I kind of started getting rid of pictures. So I said, you know what? If this picture wants to be there, okay. So for some reason, that's the book that presented itself first. So uh, yeah, I, I wanted you to. Good. I wanted you to know that's what happened. <laughs> it's doing it by itself. Because <laughs> that happens a lot. Whoever wants to come forward, whatever wants to be known, but that's the book that decided wants to be shown first. So I said, okay, that's the way you want it, you know, because I certainly mm-hmm. had your picture first, but, you know, that's the way it is. But um, <laughs> what you're talking about is quite phenomenal. Um, I had something happen to me like that. Um, I started having experiences, like you said, when I was quite young, and one thing happened, though, that was so strange that, uh all of us fell asleep in the house. We, like everybody laid down, took a nap about five in the afternoon. It was quite weird. And when I woke up, uh, this is what had. This is what's so strange. It's hard to explain. When I woke up, it took me a few minutes to actually turn back into myself. You know what I mean? Like I waited. Like okay, uh, who am I? I said, oh, yeah, I'm married to Phil. Okay, I have two kids. You know, it took me time, a little minute, to come back here. And I went, well, where was I? You know, and I was trying to explain this to a friend of mine. I was, I was uh, cutting, his, cutting hair at the time. 
I was cleaning his hair, and he said, you know, I was in a traffic accident, and I died during that accident, and I came back, and that's what happened to me. He said, I didn't know who I was when I came back, you know, and huh. I had to remember. So I, I don't know what we're doing when we leave, but we're actually going someplace. And like you said, you saw where you were going. But in this right. instance, I had, when I came back, I had to wait to turn to who I was to commence my life, which is very strange to me. It's a very strange so, concept. So basically, you know, we are able to, I mean, it, it would be boring if we just, we, we are spiritual beings, and it would be boring if yes. we could not leave our body. You know, um, I was listening mm. to Dolores Cannon um, her, the other day. Um, she, I, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she was a mm. past life regressionist. And she has uh, since crossed over to the other side, but you can still, you know, see some of her work. And she was saying it, w- it would be very boring, since we are spiritual beings, to leave, to not be able to leave the body sometimes. Basically, you know, you've heard that that, that, mm. that we're powerful spiritual beings. When we leave, we can travel. We can travel to other realms, dimensions, worlds. And um, if, if, and I think that may be why coming back into the body, you know, it may take a minute to remember. Yeah, remember this life and what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I, I really, okay, so this is the first time that, because I've had out-of-body experiences where I've been, I'm there with my kids. Like, let's say my children or grandchildren are in trouble. I stand there and I pray for them. Let's say I go in the middle of the night and I'm praying for them, but they have seen me standing there. So I have a lot of experiences like that. But this mm-hmm. is the first time since you're saying that that I'm realizing there's a purpose behind this. You know, we just don't well, move our bodies randomly. I mean, there's a purpose. There's a purpose, um, you know, there, there is a purpose for us leaving our body to go and go home. We can't remember mm. it, you know. Sometimes we can, we can go home. We can't see, not to, well, when I say home, I mean we are from, you know, the spiritual world. I'm not going to say that, for goodness sakes, we go all, all the way home. I don't know. I hear that there, from what I understand, that there is a uh, energy vortex that we need to cross over to be completely dead. So we don't go that far. But we go, you know, where we're, we're once you get there, you can't come back. So that part of it, we don't see until death. But before then, you know, we can get, we can go far. And, you know, there are places that we can visit. Um, you know, there are, are places we might be able to tap into the Akashic Records on the other side. We can go to other worlds. Now, you've got to understand that we are living in one dimension, but we have dimensions that cross over this one. It gets really complicated. That we actually, in that uh, spiritual body, we can access, but we can't access it right here in the, in the physical body, because this is the body that we're in is made to be here on earth to experience and enjoy and learn here, but we can leave it. We chose to come into it just like you chose to put on a dress, you know, and then we can, uh, we can leave it periodically and, and go and visit. But if we remember everything about the other side, someone once said it's so marvelous. It's so wonderful being in the spiritual and being on the other side that there would be mass suicide. 
and we come in here for a reason. So, but yeah, some people I understand are meeting in groups in the astral. Some people have learned to come and go out of the in and out of the body as they please. I haven't. Mine is usually uh, is always spontaneous. I never plan yeah, when it happens. Me too. I never plan it either. Uh, it seems like uh, well. Now, do you believe that you have other issues like uh, alien abduction and stuff like that? I don't. No, I don't believe that. I you do. don't. I don't. I I I I do believe. Um, you know, I mean, I've had some. I've I've seen some things in the when I'm astral traveling, but um, nothing where I've been abducted or taken or anything like that. Mine have been positive experiences. I don't consider, um, you know, any any abduction um, a a positive experience. Now, there are uh, experiencers that have had visitations, the the contactees, you know, but the ones that I have researched were, you know, all all positive. I, I do, I am familiar with the negative cases, though. Yeah. You know, I, um, I I don't I don't like it. I have uh, I just thought when I get older they don't need me anymore. But that's not what's happened. You know, it's just it's just gotten weirder and weirder all the time. You know, it's uh, even okay. This is what they found. Okay, so I told you that uh, before that I had an MRI. But during my MRI, this is what they found. They found not only that pineal gland cyst. They found a random middle, uh, middle. <laughs> how do they say fragments? Now, how can I have middle fragments in my brain? That's what they said. Random middle fragments. That's what they said. So I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been in a war. I mean, I'm, this is what they see on the film. So I don't know. I don't know what that is. So I think it's it's weird because they asked me before they go into, do you have any metal? Uh, if you have any metal in you, you know, well, let's say if you have former surgery or anything, and I have to say, for me, uh, I don't know because I have a feeling I have implants, and sure enough, they showed up that I had random metal uh, metal objects. <laughs> I just wow. think it's funny because it's yeah. like we we okay. So I I have started talking to myself about myself in my own voice in my sleep. So this is what my voice. I have a higher. You know, we all we believe that we all have a higher self, right? Right. So this right. is what my higher self has told me. So I heard myself saying this. It's just, you know, when you hear yourself talk, it wakes you up. I don't know if you ever do that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, okay, yeah. so this is when I heard myself talk very calmly, you know, in another very knowledgeable voice that said, Charlene, you have a you you have a neurological issue. You have a neurological problem. And and I'm like me inside of me is going, What? And that's probably what's wrong. I have like a neurological thing I was born with, it's just acting worse because I'm getting older, you know, so I think at the end of this, that's what they're going to find out, that I have a, like a neurological problem, you know. So uh-huh. I, wanted, I have been trying to get help for this since I was a teenager. 
I knew I had a problem anyway, and I knew I had something in my brain and everything else. I've been telling the doctors for my whole life since I was a teenager. Oh, you know, and they know really that I have anemia. I know, it's like a long time, and still they don't listen. Oh, we'll just watch it. We'll just watch it. Watch what? I don't know. I don't believe all that anymore. Watch nothing. Oh. I, bug, I bug them now. No, let's not watch it. Let's just do whatever you're going to do. So that's why I'm submitting to all these tests, and I'm telling you, some of these tests are bizarre. I, I do feel wow. like um, I'm a lab rat at this point. Really, oh, have me no, in there. We, it's, it's okay, really, because... Uh, some of the tests were so outrageous. Uh, this what happened this week. I had to read uh, like a whole list of 100 letters saying red, blue, green, red, blue, green. So you have to read that about 100 times, right? Then you had to go back and read them, but they don't say that anymore. They could be green, but they're saying the red. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So it's saying red, but the letters, but the letters are really colored green. So you have to say the real color. So you do that a hundred times. Really, mm-hmm. some crazy crap, right? That so is not that, weird. That's, I've never experienced that, anything like that. No. That's what I'm saying. It's weird. And I even told him that the he's a Chinese young Chinese doctor. I even told him. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? This stuff is weird, and I really want. I really want some responses and the answer. Oh, we'll do it at the end. I'm thinking he's going to disappear with all these questions answered. <laughs> anyway, that's my own odd thought. So anyway, I was reading your book, Moon Mysteries, and mm-hmm. I read this part, and so I'm trying to figure it out, that the moon was older than Earth. Now, yeah. what does that mean? Like, what are, what are they saying the moon comes from? How could they, <clears throat> I thought the moon was always, like, from the Big Bang Theory, that the moon mm-hmm. was split off from the Earth somehow. And now they're saying the moon is a lot older than Earth. So, right, right, right. Yeah, that's the book. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on with our moon that, you know, people, uh, I, I will answer your question. <laughs> people people think that they know the moon. They really don't. Um, I was shocked to learn uh, this information myself. Um, there are five uh, theories out there as to, you know, that scientists have put forward as to how the moon came to be. There's the, uh, you know, capture theory that, the moon was, you know, captured in, in uh, Earth's orbit and, and thus far, thus, you know, spins around <laughs> and uh, can't, can't get out of it. The giant impact theory, you know, that's, that's uh, I think that's the most popular one where uh, the moon uh, was formed from a collision uh, with the Earth. Um, something hit the Earth, a planet hit the Earth and... Boom! The uh, parts of the Earth uh, spewed out into the, you know, atmosphere into the universe, and you know, made the sphere that we now call the Moon. Uh, there's a double big whack theory, which you know, it's a theory that that happened a couple of times, and, and then there's a couple of more. But um, my point is, that none of those theories that the scientists have put forward have been proven. They really don't know where it came from. Um, the most popular, like I said, it's not the giant, in- well, there's two popular ones. The giant impact theory and also the capture theory are, are popular, but they don't know. They haven't proved it. 
And so when I hear people talk about the theories as if they are fact, it really annoys me because they don't have a clue. And now so they're looking at this uh, discrepancy in the, age, the ages of the moon and the, and the earth, and they can't explain it. Um, so basically there is a pretty strange theory out there since, you know, <laughs> they can't explain it. People have been looking into it. They've opened their minds. They're trying to think out of the box. Um, there are two. There were two Russian scientists in the uh, in the night in the seventies that looked at the information that NASA had acquired from the astronauts, and um, they thought, you know, this isn't adding up. This isn't making sense. The rocks say, you know, the moon is this age, the earth is this age. NASA says, you know, they've um, put made an explosion on the moon, and the moon uh, rang like a bell. It's showing yeah. that the moon is quite possibly, more than likely, hollow. And these scientists were like, what in the world is going on? So um, they, they believe Hold on to your seat. <laughs> they believe that the moon may was probably created outside of our solar system and then brought into, you know, dragged across the universe or sent across the universe and planted into Earth's orbit purposely, not captured, purposely put there. Um, because, and they call it space, the spaceship moon theory. They think that the moon was created by advanced beings and is hollowed out and is a, is a spaceship moon, they're saying. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah and then that, that hollow the, that it rang, it kind of scared everybody, they said. Cause it kind of scared everybody. It was a loud, persistent ring. Yes, and it, and they did it twice, by the way. They they did it, you know, two, separate years. But interestingly enough, if you don't mind, I'd like to share with you a couple of of my favorite quotes. Oh, please um, do. So one uh, planetary scientist by the name of William Hartman wrote a book about the moon. He, he, it was titled "The Origin of the Moon," and he said, "Neither the Apollo astronauts, the lunar vehicles." nor all the king's horses and all the king's men could assemble enough data to explain the circumstances of the birth of the moon's birth. Wow. Um, I know. And then Isaac Asimov, who, you know, was this very famous um, popular science fiction writer and, and, um, you know, he's got a lot of credits to his name. Well, he wrote a, a book on as, titled Asimov on Astronomy. And he said, what in blazes is our moon doing way out there? It's too far out to be a true satellite of Earth. It's too big to have been captured by the Earth. The chances of such a capture having been affected and the moon then having taken up a nearly circular orbit about the Earth are too small to make such an eventuality credible. But then, if the moon is neither a true satellite of the Earth nor a captured one, what is it? So these two scientists attempted to, um, to answer that question, and that was their theory that they put forth in Sputnik magazine in 1970. Um, 
Let's see. Oh, to quote the scientist that uh, put this forward, it says, it is more likely that what we have here is a very ancient spaceship, the interior of which was filled with fuel for the engines, materials and appliances for repair work, navigation instruments, observation equipment, and all manner of machinery. In other words, everything necessary to enable it to serve as a Noah's Ark of Intelligence, perhaps even as a home of a whole civilization envisioning a prolonged perhaps thousands of millions of years' existence and long wanderings through space. Now, I should tell you about the, um, the uh, surface of the moon. When you look at uh, the moon dust, the, the, or the moon dust consists of coronium, titanium, and zirconium. These and, and others that I actually don't remember at the second the names of all of these scientific, you know, elements. But those yeah. three of them, these are very, very strong elements. And, you know, it's been said that if a person were to create um, – a, a giant artificial satellite from the, you know, and trying to protect it from the effects of temperature and radiation and meteors bombardment, that they would use these elements. So they're trying to say that the surface of the moon is very, very hard. And they believe that it was uh, created to look like a satellite, but that it really is something else. And I'll tell you something else very interesting. When the meteorites hit the moon, no matter what size they are, they make around the same amount of dent. You know, if it's a, a gigantic meteor or, you know, a smaller, they're not making different size holes penetrating the moon, which says that there is, they believe that there is something metal there, these scientists. Okay, interesting. Now, mm-hmm. not only I have a uh, another guy. I think he's passed away, but he's even taking uh, pictures of the moon and saying the moon is a different color than we always show black and white pictures. But the moon, moon is actually mm-hmm. pink with shades of gray, you know, and beige and different colors. And I was mm-hmm. just telling a friend that, and she she actually works on satellites. And she said I never knew that, and I said. Well, yeah, the moon isn't just white or gray. It's actually different colors. And uh, I was wondering, uh, it's quite startling that, that uh, to me that we do not know that much about the moon, even though we've landed there, walked on it and everything else. But Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong had some really interesting things to say about about it. Yeah, first of all, there uh the moon is is um uh, very colorful. It's not what we think. The moon is not what we think. What we've right. been taught, we need we need to throw out the window. Um you know, it's not a it doesn't have this this flat white surface that you can run around on. The astronauts and there were 12 of them, by the way, that walked on the moon, not just two. A lot of people don't get past Apollo 11. There were several missions that went up. It wasn't a hoax. They didn't, you know, uh, <laughs> no, I believe you. I know. all of those, mich- all those missions. But um, it's not this flat rock that you can walk around on kicking up sand. It has a, even, it's got canyons. Um, it's got, you know, canyons, mountains, cliffs. Um, they had to seek out 
places to uh, to land on the moon. Um, there's an area that they refer to as the Grand Canyon of the moon. It's nothing like we, we think in our in our minds when we look up there. You know, we're too far away to see what's really going on. Um, so uh, uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, uh, there are... There are legends surrounding the stories of uh, the Apollo 11 mission. Um, Where do I begin? When they went up, you know, it was, it was, of course, the the most important mission. There were several missions before them, uh, you know, in preparation of the men landing on the moon. So, um, I want to say that every one of the pre-missions and every one of the missions afterward, they saw flashing lights or UFOs. All of the missions saw them. But in this particular case, they went up, and they were very excited, of course, as they should be. You know, everyone was, you know, (laughs) in a good mood. And then they're going through space, and they, you know, they look out of their, you know, the little uh, cubby window there, and they see this thing this lighted object in the shape of an L. Um, You know, they were pretty taken aback by it, and they didn't know really what to do about it, and they didn't want to alarm uh, NASA that, you know, hey, there's this weird object outside. We don't know what the heck it is. And so they sort of calmly, you know, said, you know, we, we, we see something outside and we think it might be, you know, a piece of the equipment or maybe maybe it's even a Saturn V launch rocket. They were very casual about it. And um, they said, how far away is, is the rocket, is, is the launch rocket? And, you know, it was 6,000 miles away. So that wasn't what was following them. They don't know to this day exactly what it was. Uh, there is a theory that maybe it was a, a piece of equipment, but um, you know, to listen to them say it, it was it was a UFO. Now, when we say a UFO, that means that that doesn't mean it was a spaceship. It means it was an, an identified object, flying object. Right. So they don't know what it was, but they weren't the only ones to have, um, you know, have had a, an experience like that. They weren't the first ones either. So um, anyway, once they landed on the moon, uh, it, it's rumored that um, that Armstrong had seen uh, some lights over his head and also on the crater, on nearby crater, it's rumored that he saw some sort of spaceships. Now, like I said, these are, these are rumors and they're legends. Um, but there have been some strange stories behind these uh, these ideas. Um, one of them is that when Armstrong saw it, he uh, got on a secret channel. They, they had a medical channel that they could contact the doctor. Uh, this channel was not heard by the audience on Earth because, you know, we were all watching that feed. So he went on that secret channel and, and told them that he was seeing something, um, that there were you know, spaceships, they looked menacing. Um, these uh, comments were said to have been made by people who heard it that had their own equipment on Earth that picked up what the astronauts were saying on that broad, you know, outside of broadcast. But there were others, like there's a one man, he was a NASA communications engineer, and at that time, uh, he he was around, and he wrote a book, and he said, 
Moments before Armstrong stepped down the ladder to set foot on the moon, two UFOs hovered overhead. Um, another, wow. I mean, yeah, yeah, hovered overhead. And then someone else um, is quoted as saying that um, uh, two UFOs appeared ready to assist the U.S. astronauts in case anything should go wrong with the landing. And once the module appeared to be securely settled on the lunar surface, the alien spacecraft flew away. So these people are called whistleblowers, you know, who kind of came out and, and, and told some information that was supposed to remain hidden. Well, they also saw, uh, uh, in your book, they said they saw, I think I saw a picture that they saw objects like a tower or other buildings. Okay, so there are, before I, I, I get into the monuments that you're speaking yes. of, I do want to say there is a rumor that one of the astronauts actually did witness an extraterrestrial um, but like I said, I you know this this is a this is a rumor, um, but they said that it looked like an ethereal being, and it was right at the door. I found that interesting. Um, you know these stories have become legend, and you know. But as far as uh, the monument, so there are several. Let's see, Apollo. <clears throat> we had uh, six missions that landed on the moon. Let's see. 11, yeah. And then we had Apollo 13 that didn't land. It had problems, which I'll tell you about. About, But, yeah, there were, there are structures up there that cannot be explained. Some of them look like ruins, and some of them look pretty complete. There were monuments that are called, uh, they're referred to as the Blair Cuspids, where uh, these things look, you know, similar to the to the Washington Monument, the shadows of them. And they're in perfect geometric forms with no explanation as to, you know, how they came about. So um, that's just uh, 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 an example of one of the things that was observed uh, on the moon by, by astronauts. And it wasn't always uh, Neil Armstrong and um, Aldrin. There were several others that went up there and had experiences. You know, if you like, I can, I can actually run through them. Um, yes. So um, I told you about Apollo 11. Now, Apollo 12, <clears throat> uh, when they were up there, let's see, reports came in from observatories from around Europe uh, when the Apollo 12 was about to take off that there were two objects, you know, Close, close to the Saturn V that was following them. Uh, so they had that weird experience. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the astronauts finally uh, did concur that there were two, uh, two uh, UFOs next to them at a high rate of speed, following them for a huge distance for a long time, and then they um, eventually, I guess, they got bored. <laughs> and they said that they... <laughs> The, the UFOs just kind of took off at a high rate of speed and vanished. I, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, that was uh, their experience with a UFO. So they had it too. Um, Apollo 13 didn't land, but they had a problem with the uh, the oxygen tank was broken. And um, there's a, a, a rumor that those uh, 
they were told by ETs on how to fix the tank, which, of course, was not in the movie, and uh, that they were safely able to return home, and then they were told never to mention what had happened out there and that they were helped by ETs. Is that true or not? I don't know. But that's the story, you know, that came across my desk. And, you know, it would be interesting to uh, to get more information, you know, from uh, those astronauts and what happened out there. Um, so would. Uh, Apollo 14, while the astronauts were on the moon, they took pictures that revealed a number of weird images, including strange blue lights and anomalous structures and objects. Uh, so they've seen things. So they've, you know, um, so Apollo 15, the astronauts, while working on the surface of the moon, they something flew by the two astronauts, nearly hitting them in the head. It went so fast, they couldn't tell you what it was, but they certainly had to, you know, move out of the way a little before they, you know, it was so close that they almost got hit. Uh, Apollo 16, the, um, the astronauts saw flashes of light while they were in orbit. Um, and uh, there was one, let's see, one, they said that apparently they saw streaks of light on the horizon uh, on the far side of the moon. Um, so it goes on and on, uh, mm-hmm. where where these guys have seen objects and they've seen structures and they've seen lights. Nothing is supposed to be moving up there. Yeah, Nothing it's supposed, supposed to be, to be going sort of on. dead. If a dead, if it's a dead rock, how are they flying around? How are the, the astronauts um, seeing flashes of light? What in the world was flying beside them in space? Um, you know, objects. <laughs> so, I mean, and plus, it, it gets, what I want to know is what's on the other side? What's on the dark side? Right. Well, you know, there's uh, there's some um, rumors that, you know, first of all, the dark side does not look anything like, uh, we call it the far side. It, nothing looks yeah, like, it does not look like the, the, does not look like the near side. Um, it hasn't been hit as much with the, uh, uh, meteors, I guess. I don't know. It just uh, it just looks different. There's more of the Maria on the uh, on the uh, side closest to us. We, when we look at the moon, we see all the the huge black spots. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we don't see that on the on the other side. Uh, there is some rumor that there are perhaps bases back there. Um, you know, we've taken pictures. Of, you know, other governments have taken pictures. They haven't shown uh, any any um, basis, but, you know, the moon is big, and who's to say that if anybody or something is up there that they cannot hide themselves somehow, who knows, but um, I will tell you about one interesting structure that appeared, and this has nothing to do with the astronauts. This is uh, something that happened uh, while while astronomers were, um, let me see, while astronomers were here on Earth watching and studying the moon, a bridge appeared in an area that they had seen nothing before out of nowhere. This uh, 12-mile bridge showed up. It reached from one mountain to the other, and it just appeared. They had astronomers, uh, more than one look at it, and everybody saw it, and they couldn't explain this thing. 
It stayed there for a long time. It stayed there for a few years, and then it disappeared. You know, someone uh, said, oh, my goodness, where did the bridge come from? Maybe you know, there's extraterrestrials up there. Once when they understood that we were watching them, they dismantled it. Can anyone explain how a bridge from one end of a mountain to another appear? You have credible people looking up there, and then it just disappears. Hmm. They they have uh, they've found uh, geometric shaped buildings, platforms, bridges, domes, pyramids, large towers, and more. Um, the theory is that basically there is either uh, was a civilization on the moon, or there may be a civilization living inside the moon. Maybe the Russian astronauts had it right. The moon is hollow. There may be people there. They're, they're finding they found domes. You know, lit up. Um, there's there's a there's a huh, there's a crater that we can see for here from Earth if you're just using binoculars. If you look closely enough, it radiates a blue light, a beautiful blue light. The part of the moon is just lit up. They can't explain it, but it looks like it's coming from inside the moon, and anyone can go out there and look at it. Yeah, it's uh, that's what friends say that. Uh that have the telescopes and stuff, that they're actually seeing different colors. It's quite beautiful. And uh, you mentioned, like, these six Russian cosmonauts in your book. In 1985, they saw some orange light. What was that about? The cosmonauts? I'm sorry, can you? The the Russian, there were six... There were six Russian cosmonauts in your books. This happened in 1985. They said they saw a light up there. Oh, the the cosmonauts have seen quite a bit of things up there too. They've seen, um, they've, um, you know, taken pictures of some interesting stuff. So the cosmonauts, you know, they never walked on the moon, like of course, and we all know that. Oh, but, that's true. Um, it, yeah. Right. And they're in their assert in their um, trying to get men to the moon. They have um, encountered some interesting stuff and taken some interesting pictures um, of, of things going on. So one of the stories they had seen, excuse me, they had seen on, I call them rehearsal flights because they were trying to get men to the moon. They kept, they kept sending cosmonauts up, and honestly, they lost like six astronauts in the process. Um, and they weren't being very public about this. But um, on a couple of these missions, they had some weird experiences. This one um, area, they saw lights, and they were traveling, and uh, it, it seems that they got too far because they saw some UFOs. And these UFOs were all lit up, and they surrounded the, uh, the capsule that the astronauts were in, and they got in their way. They were almost, they were almost like a bully. It said that the, uh, the story, as the story goes, the astronauts were like uh, a ball in their hands, what they were play, shooting, you know, tossing back and forth, like kind of like a ping pong um, with the astronauts. They wouldn't let them move any further. The astronauts uh, were allowed to leave. And they went, they went back to Earth, and they were pretty shaken up. You know, they abandoned the mission. So um, that's one of the hmm. experiences. I know. And their preparation for the moon, that's just one of them. Um, and another one, 
uh, the there were a, a couple of. I'm trying to sum it up because these stories get very long. That's <laughs> okay. I have to sum them up. <laughs> so there were a couple of astronauts that went up, um, you know, in preparation for the moon mission. And they were up there for about a week. And they were very nervous. It was a man and a woman. And this story came from uh, an author who uh, at the time, you know, who, who wrote a whole bunch of, you know, mysteries. And he had gotten a hold of this, this Russian story. And he said she, this woman was the first female astronaut in space, and she was Russian. They were up there for a week, and they were reporting that everything was fine, you know, they were doing well. Um, but at the end of their experience, they started, you know, getting nervous. Something was going on. So that last day, they were, uh, oh, I just, I would like to quote them because it's just, you know, it's just uh, too much, too interesting to not be able yeah, to yeah, do. Go ahead. Hold on one second, please. No worries. All right. It's just so, a fascinating topic. Okay, so I'm going to just backtrack on this, this subject for a little bit. Um, so basically, these guys, um, according to the stories, the Soviets sought to break the record for time and space, and they were trying to break that record, you know, in their preparation for getting to the moon. So they sent these two people up. And so they're, um, they're up there, I told you already. The scenario came to an end on February 24th, 1961, right after the cosmonauts radioed in that all was well, things took a turn for the worse. And what would be the last tra- transmission from the cosmonauts, as recorded um, by you know, the uh, station below, um, one could hear a frightening conversation where the male cosmonaut was commenting about not being able to understand signals and how they couldn't view anything. Apparently something was blocking the window. And afterward, the female astronaut could be saying, look out of the peephole, look out of the peephole, she was yelling. And then the astronaut yelled back, said, and he, the, the male voice then yelled back that if, they, if we don't get out, the world will never hear about it. And just after that, things went silent. No word was ever heard from them again. Wow. So, so the writer says, what happened will probably never be known, for it is highly private, probable that the Soviets themselves do not know. We can only hope that whatever fate befell them was merciful and swift. So what does this have to do with the moon? So basically the Soviets were trying to get there, they ran into a, a heck of a whole lot of problems in their efforts. And, you know, it has been speculated that um, there may have been some attempt to prevent them from going. Or, you know, I don't know what happened to the ship. We know, we know that, uh, I mean, to prevent them from going by ETs. We know that the mm-hmm. astronauts were never heard of again, cosmonauts. But what happened to the ship? Did it suddenly, dis- you know, just everything just disappeared, I guess. But um, what has what's no, someone watching? Right, because right. I, so, yeah, right. I was wondering about that because I was reading that uh, you know because of all the animals and everything that's sent up to space. Well, where is everything that's sent up there? 
And we're well, all well, just floating are. around there or what? So, yes, they are, basically. They are just floating around out there. And um, they have seen them. The astronauts have seen them um, out there floating, you know, in space. I mean, the, you know, it's space debris now. Um, there, there is a rumor. Um, uh, I, you know, I, it, if the story hasn't been corroborated, of course, but you know, of the astronauts discovering a dead cosmonaut. Um, did you read that? Did you read that in the, no, uh, the book? No, no, go ahead. Okay. So basically, um, the Apollo 17 mission, uh, you know, was the last one where um, people landed on the moon and the astronauts landed on the moon. And there's a, so there's a strange tale that states that the Apollo 17 astronauts uh, found a dead astronaut on the way, cosmonaut on the way to the moon. Well, I told you that the Soviets lost about six uh, cosmonauts. Um, so the the uh, so the astronauts as uh, Apollo 17 uh, took photographs that had anomalous lights and unusual objects, and um, you know there were there was a lot of lights outside of their little peephole, and, and they were trying to uh, see what in the world it was. And when they went to investigate, they saw this dead cosmonaut floating around. That's the story. I wonder what they do. They just leave them out there, or I, I don't think anyone like a burial like at sea. Just well, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. Some of these hmm. these stories, you know, they come from uh, people that work for NASA and told. Yeah. Um, some of them are are rumor. Some of them are are stories that are true but can't be proven. But I will tell you, you know, one thing. If you look in, in the Encyclopedia of Moon Mysteries, I have a number of things in that book that came straight from NASA and NASA's uh, website. You know, um, there's a very interesting story about uh, Apollo 8 going up. Um, there were, you know, several... Uh, um, missions before people before the astronauts landed on the moon. Apollo eight went up, and they were able to take some pictures of UFOs that were following them. A, a UFO, and you know the technology back then. You know it's not what it is today. They didn't know mm-hmm. how to. Uh, they wanted to hide it, so they covered up the pictures when they <laughs> they covered up the pictures with duct tape. <laughs> But one of the pictures, I guess, slipped through because I've seen the photo. And so you can see the, the photos of the uh, duct-taped pictures, and then you can see the one with the object that they were trying to hide. Now, you know, that's out there. So I'm trying to tell you that if you just um, go and, and look for these things, and NASA has the transcripts. It has transcripts of the astronauts uh, traveling, you know, behind the moon. They were gone for an hour. And they heard weird noises. They sort of likened it to space music. And they've got a transcript of the astronauts talking about it. They were saying, wow, do you hear that? Do you hear that? And the other astronauts saying, yeah, oh, that's weird. What is that? Say, wow, it sounds like weird space music. And one of the astronauts says, oh, my God, they'd never believe it if they told us, if we told them that, you know, we're, we're hearing things from the moon. And they have this stuff on transcripts. So if you look for it, you can find some really interesting stuff. And I've tried to introduce 
people to it, you know, in my book in bite-sized pieces, and then go to do their own research because, you know, I think it's kind. Of, I think it's important to know what's going on, you know, well, with, yeah. and with our moon. I mean, we, we're talking about reality, really. You know, it's, uh, I I really rather that we know than go around in a daze and not know anything. It's just. Uh, Things are not as they seem. You know, that's what that's the older I get, the more I realize that uh, things are much deeper and more mysterious and uh, just the interdimensional things. And there's uh, things have life that I never really knew that were alive. And, you know, it's just really a beautiful life if we really opened ourselves up to it. It's just not what we see. Like they did this, this recent brain study that are, you know, because we've been taught. We were taught and it was drilled into our heads. There's three dimensions. I remember this in school. You know how they made us draw the dimensions, the three dimensions, the big thing out of it. And But our brain, when they did studies of our brain, our brain has receptors for like 11, 12, 13 dimensions. Like why would we, why would we have the capacity to observe, you know, 12 dimensions in our, our, our brain is ready for that. Why? Because there is such a thing. You know, that we have, there is these other dimensions, like you were speaking of. Yes, yes. That could we, be our brains exactly observe it, and we have a capacity for it, but but we're like putting a little straitjacket in so many different ways. Uh I had a dream once of a beautiful world, you know, because I've always wondered what's going to happen when this world passes and the next world comes. And I always wonder what's going to happen to my, my children, the children's children. And, you know, I want to know what's going to happen to everybody after me. And they, they will inherit a beautiful world because this world is not going to go on forever. It will, in my dreams, it's destroyed and renewed. And that's what happens in my dreams. And then a new world is absolutely beautiful. But when every baby is born, everybody can hardly wait to see what that baby's going to do and what the baby's going to be, not not what we can turn the baby into. It's a whole different reality. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and to, to even experience that in my dream was so uh, freeing and so beautiful. They're just to, like you're waiting, holding your breath. Like, what is this baby gonna do? Like, oh, what do they have to teach us? You know what I mean? Like, what a beautiful world that would be. And that's what it, I think it, some, it is. Go ahead. No, I think some of the speaking of children. I think some of the the children being born today are here to help Earth and make it better, and I, I think that uh, we have people coming in with special missions, and yeah, those babies being born, hopefully they can make a beautiful Earth. Well, the thing is, is that, uh, the way it's been done is over, and I think this uh, this corona thing, to talk back what's happened to us now, I think it's shown us and locked us down and shown us that the old way isn't going to work anymore. And there is a status quo that there's trying to be, uh, still trying to be punished, pushed on us, punished on us. And it's not going to be that way because there is a revolution going on. It's not going to be the old way anymore. And I don't know why people keep wanting it to be that way. I don't want, I don't want the old way. 
and then they, and the people growing up don't don't want to like that anymore. It's not working. You know what I mean? And we have to let go. Right. If we don't let go, they're going to rip it out of our hands anyway. It's a sad situation. It's it a is sad a sad situation. situation. It makes me feel like crying because let's go to the future. Let's change. Let's let's do what's good for all of us. You know, let's just, let's just have a beautiful world that's given to us. This world is beautiful. We just shut down for, okay, so, so we shut down in March. Right. In two months, there's dolphins in Venice, the canals. The, the, the earth renewed itself in a couple months. It didn't take like oh, we yeah. thought. We were just, yeah, we just wasn't like what we thought. The earth is capable of powerfully renewing itself so fast. So if we get with the program, which now we're in a big battle again, you know, and there's a big revolution going on. And it's, uh, I, was, I was around in the 60s, so I, I remember how we all felt. We really thought we would have we would have that change, and to think, you know, the good old boy network is alive and well. I am so sick of it. I, I can't tell you how draining it is. Just to, it's a drag because what I'm experiencing is totally different what's, than what they think is going on. I've really kind of had it with the whole thing. You know what I mean? Well, it's like an illusion. I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I feel like it's an illusion yeah. because there's things going on that I'm experiencing personally. I know that I've been ill and all that, but besides that, um, I have uh, been uh, in a weird connection with things that I formerly thought were, weren't alive. It's like a, almost like a Native American uh, experience of realizing there's a level of life and things around us that are alive and that we have to become in tune with and respect, you know. And uh, even if it's a rock, even, it's really hard to take a grasp of this, that there's a lot in those life and there's things to respect, you know. Right. I agree. I agree 100%. You know, so I'm uh, a little bit of... Go ahead. Now, it's a time for us to, you know, to slow down and, and reflect and think and, you know, figure out what we're doing, how we got here, and how to fix it. Exactly. That's it. Because we can fix it. It's just that everybody's so diametrically opposed to each other. It's just so crazy. I don't know. I've never witnessed anything like this before, you know. And then being shut well, down is so odd. Well, it's, you know, it's given, you know, it's a hardship for so many people. It's it's very, very sad. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the future holds. And, you know, I don't know how they're going to, you know, get past this. I don't know if a vaccine, you know, it's going to be created. And they keep saying we're not 100% sure, you know, it's going to, to even happen. So it certainly is a new way of living and mm-hmm. um, you know, at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this, one of my friends said to me, "I think it's just it's a sign that we need to slow down and just be quiet." And oh think. yeah, yeah, that's why um, I said there's time for introspection. It's time to to really feel what's going on and uh, slow down. And uh, you know, it's uh, so different. You know what I mean? Because immediately, I knew it immediately. Like, 
a friend of mine and I worked on the phone. And for some reason, I wanted to go get my my gas tank top, topped off, you know. It was really weird because me and him were just talking. Oh, all of a sudden, I had the greatest desire to fill up my gas tank. So I, drove, I got in the car. I was still talking. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going down the gas station. He said, what are you going for? I said, I don't know, but I have to fill up my gas tank. So I'm down the street. I'm at the near the I'm at the Chevron station. I look up and I'm looking at the uh, oh, we have like a uh, plant over here, the oil plant, and uh, a thing where Dow Chemical was. And I was looking at it. And then I looked back at the cash register, and he said, "Well, he feels like the world's going to come in a shutdown." I said, "I." He said, "Did he know when?" So we've been talking about this, and I said, "I think it's going to happen now," and the whole thing shut down. The his, this guy's electronics shut off, and he started sweating because you know if if it goes shuts off at the gas station, everything shuts off. So the mm-hmm. gas tank shut off, everything shut off, and he his arms were even sweating. He was a young guy, and I had mm-hmm. to tell him very okay. calmly. I said, "If you stay calm, it's going to come back on." And I said, "Just give it a minute," and he gave it a minute, and it came back on. But I, he said. Me and my friend were talking. I said, is this how it's going to happen? And he said, yeah, it's happened right now. And that was, remember, that was March. And so I went home. I got some groceries. I went to a friend's house. I did her hair. I said, I'm not going to be able to be back for a couple of months. She says, what are you talking about? And that's when it shut down. That was it. It was over. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. I didn't know it would be worldwide. I did not know right. that. You know, right. So that's, that's the shock. But there's a purpose to this. It's a bigger. <sighs> what is your feeling behind this? Is there something going on that that we don't know? No, that we have I don't to stay have in? No, I don't have the feeling that anything you know is that this has been created. You know, there's so many weird theories out there. Oh, you know, it was created to, yeah. uh, you know, to control the population or, or anything like that. No, I just I think that something happened, or at least you know, however this thing was created, and it, it is something we have to fix. Um, I, I I you know, somebody said, oh, when you know, we have to we have to be quiet. You know, it, you know, it's God talking, and and you know. Um, what did she say? What God told us to. You know, God is is telling. This is God's way of letting us him of letting us know that we've destroyed the earth. Blah blah blah. But I I don't feel that you know religious speaking. I don't think that you know God would punish all those poor people who have lost their lives. I don't think so either. I think this is something. I think this. You know, I don't, I don't have that kind of a mindset. But I think that this is something that we did and we're going to have to fix it. And I think that that's the lesson behind it. And I think that in the meantime, um, you know, we have to live our lives the best we can in this situation. None of us have ever expected to be in what pretty much feels like, you know, some kind of weird apocalyptic movie. We've mm-hmm. got to figure yeah. out how to keep, we have to figure out how to keep going and how to, you know, be the best and the happiest we can under adverse conditions. This may not be the only time it happens in our last lifetime. I tell my, my, my kids that, you know, something yes. can happen again. You have got to learn, you know, how to deal with this and how to get through this because you never know what life is going to throw at you. 
And um, the other, the one lesson that I think too is that you know you really have to check in with each other and you know try and, and take care of each other too. There are people out there that are feeling alone and feeling down and depressed and out, and you know they 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 need help. And I think this is a, the one lesson is to to definitely check in with each other. I have friends calling me, texting me that are really. I'm, you know, just really depressed, and I do. I try to, I, I try to check on them, in on them, and see if they're doing all right. You mm-hmm. know, I've never. Mm-hmm. So those are lessons. Take care of each other, but try to do your best out there in this really hard situation, and prepare, prepare, prepare for an emergency. That's another lesson that I've learned. Uh, we live in earthquake territory, as you know. So you know, oh, yeah. you should always have have your um, emergency. Uh, a prepared kit, you know, buy, you know, your extra, you know, get that, those, those canned goods, you know, together in an emergency medical Well, kit, yeah, just have your, you your supplies ready because I'm, well, I was always ready. I didn't need anybody to tell me to get ready because you have to be able to read the writing on the wall, you know what I mean? So uh, I think when you, uh, you know that the disaster is coming, you have a tendency to, well, you know, get extra toilet paper or whatever, because I, I didn't understand why nobody had any toilet paper. That's the one thing I can figure out. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have any toilet paper? You're crazy. Well, but anyway, so it's because uh, I, I love supplies for some reason. I know I've come from a you know, sure. we were poor when we were kids, so supplies well, is a big thing for me. You know, you have to have your one soap, but you have to have your little pack of soap. You don't just get one. You know what I mean? You get like, no, you know, hooked no. back. But this is definitely, you know, a lesson, a lesson for people. You know, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the the people who have a little bit more out there, uh, who have have it had it a little bit easier. I feel like are are in shock because even, you know, I've watched, you know, stores out there just run out. No matter if you're in a, in a nicer neighborhood. I or, know you it's know, crazy. It, it doesn't matter who. I'm trying to say it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much money you have or don't have or whatever. It's affecting everyone across the board. And I think that's a very good uh, lesson. It's a sad lesson, but it's also a good lesson for people to to know that they have to pull together no matter where they're from and where they are. Yeah, because I had a dream about this whole thing and that uh, – the one part of the strange dream was that there was an earthquake, and uh, so I had a backpack on. I had some stuff, but I was thirsty, and I walked by a friend's place, and they were sitting in their garage, and they had cans and cans and cans of soda and everything, and I asked, could I please have, I was thirsty, could I please have a soda, just one, and they said no, that they couldn't share because of blah, blah, the disaster. You know that the whole thing fell in on them. You can't, you have to share. You can't. You can't like hoard something because you you can't. You're gonna be stuck with that. And as, you know what I mean. Um, the dream said to share because you, you can't hoard. If you have something, do you share it. And then that the giving keeps giving. You know. Right, right, right. Because the disaster could take it all from you anyway. You have very interesting dreams that are. I do. They so uh, I do. Message like, message like. Very, very mm-hmm. incredible messages, you know, and they they kind of help me 
because uh, I ask God a lot about what, well, what's next, God? Like, what's, so then I get once in a while these profound insights that they kind of teach me above and beyond what I, what I would ordinarily know. So mm-hmm. I get a lot of help from them. And uh, just talking to myself, though, is quite, quite new. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Quite, the, yeah. the higher self-doctor that I have seem to have it's quite calm. Tell me all the stuff I have. That's kind of different. But anyway, so um, you also have another book. It's so interesting. It's like Encyclopedia of Angels. And uh, I find it quite interesting that sometimes it kind of overlaps because I read that not only did the astronauts think they saw angels, so did the, the cosmonauts thought they, thought they saw some angels, the Russians. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. Actually, I I uh, I love that that story. And um, so you know, this was uh, this was after the uh, the race to put um, a man on the moon. Uh, by this time, the uh, cosmonauts had been able to go into space and had their you know their uh, Oh, what do you call it? Just the, the, the like I guess like they're a kind of a ISS kind of uh, kind of thing. You know, they can go up there and they can sleep up there. Uh, their space it's a space station. They have a space station and it's called Salyut. S A L Y U T seven. And uh, so they go up there and they observe the cosmos and they do their work. So um, basically, they they went up once. There were six Russians. And they were up there, you know, doing whatever, and they noticed this bright orange light. Uh, excuse me, not six. There were three. I'm sorry. They noticed this bright orange light outside of their peephole. And they looked out, and they saw what appeared to be very large angels. Um, these angels were uh, as large as a jetliner. And they could, you know, they could see faces. One of them uh, was quoted as saying they were smiling. And um, I would love to read it to you. I guess it's, it's better read to have it, a please. conversation. But I'm going to read you, read it straight um, from the book because it just is so interesting. Um, so I wrote Custodians of the Cosmos are angels. Angels can be found in beliefs and cultures and religious religions from around the world. There are angels of the sun, angels of the stars, and angels of the moon. Six Russian cosmonauts claim to have seen angels while on missions in space. Reportedly, there were two separate sightings with two separate crews. Each crew, by the way, was three people. The story is said to have been smuggled out of Russia in 1985 by a scientist who was defecting. According to the report, the cosmonauts of the Salat 7 space station, which included Valdemar Solovit, Oleg, Oleg Etkov, and um, Linoid Kisam, were surprised when a building, when they were surprised when a blinding bright orange light suddenly appeared beaming into the space station. When they looked out of the portholes to locate the light source, they saw seven angels. The angels were described as seven giant figures, 
in human form, complete with halos and wings that were the size of jetliners. Jetliners. Each angel was indistinguishable from the other. The angels are said to have followed the space capsule for 10 minutes and then mysteriously disappeared. Twelve days later, the angels appeared again. This time, three different cosmonauts saw them. Again, the brilliant light appeared, and the three new cosmonauts, I'm not going to try their names, (laughs) uh, saw the gigantic angels. One cosmonaut was quoted as saying, we were truly overwhelmed. There was a great orange light, and through it we could see the figures of seven angels. They were smiling as though they shared a glorious secret. How beautiful. Yeah, I've seen some uh, people try to uh, do some depictions of these angels on, on YouTube, and they really... It does really look spectacular to be able to, you know, see these these figures against the background of space. And um, like how can you imagine them if they were the size of a jetliner, and there was some kind of yeah. orange glow, and they were smiling? Wow. Yeah, like they had a glorious secret of their Yeah, yeah. Um, now, do I believe they were angels? That's the question. Um, I love angels. I believe angels exist. Um, I believe that um, there are there are beings that are out there that are advanced that are watching us and that do come in to help. There's just too many stories of people who have received help from individuals who came and, and disappeared. Um, I I wonder though if these advanced, because I believe they were advanced beings there. I believe they wanted to show them something. I believe they wanted to give them hope for something. But I wonder if they could, they just, they took on the form of the angel or, you know, or were they really this this true form? But whatever they, whoever they were, definitely made an impact. And they definitely were able to have these, 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 these cosmonauts come back to Earth with this beautiful tale. And I, I think that, uh, you know, people have been talking about this for many, many years. And it helps to, people to, give, to have hope. Angels um, are not only winged beings. You can, because when I think of the word angel, I, I feel like the word is a... English Christian kind of uh, a term, but actually, you don't have to be a religious person to see or feel or have an angelic experience. Um, in my book, I chronicled pe- uh, uh, people's beliefs in angels from all over the world in various cultures. Um, they were called by different names. There was an angel. They were seen. Um, by in different forms, you could have maybe, uh, for example, there was a, a man walking uh, in the dark, and it was not a very good area of town. It was my understanding, and uh, there were these two uh, individuals out there that looked pretty, you know, um, unfriendly, and that maybe they had something bad on their minds. But this man walked past them, and he had no problem. Uh, 
another man came by later and he was he was robbed and um he was hurt uh what the, when they this this other man who had previously you know crossed paths with these guys um, was told was asked to be a witness and 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 they asked those guys they asked the robbers why did you not you know touch this person or whatever or bother him and they said what do you mean he had two huge dogs walking with him mm-hmm. so the man he yeah he didn't have any dogs walking with him. Now, right. why did he have dogs and the other man didn't? I don't know. But for whatever reason, something appeared next to him in the form of a dog, you know. And one thing that I have to say is that I don't think that angels are discriminating. I think that sometimes um, we don't we don't get the message, you know. And who knows what reason that other person would have had. Um, you know, for the attack, I just don't know. Maybe he was given a verbal warning. It was may have been different. You know, um, yeah. I just I can't explain how one person would be injured and the other don't. I just know that that's what happened. Um, yeah, there was I've... another. Mm-hmm. Go, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to tell another story. So, so please. Yeah, I want to hear it. I want to hear your stories. So there was another. Um, uh, so there was another person who had fallen into a, 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 a he was he was walking in the woods and he had fallen into a, a hole and it was it was um, it was uh, deserted there was no one around to help him and he had to climb out and it was you know he was hurt he felt bad but he dragged himself out of that so he, he pulled himself and he climbed and he pulled and he climbed and um, Finally, when he got out and he was he was able to get to, to get help, someone said, "Oh my goodness, how how did you do it? You know, you, you was you were you were alone and and it was so hard." And he said, "I was never alone. There was someone right beside me, coming with me." So there was an angel next to him who was encouraging him the whole way. Um, there was another story where a, a child was running across the street and for whatever reason one of those um holes in the street where the, what are they called that the men work in um like the manhole the, uh, metal the manhole sorry <laughs> the manhole uh yeah so the child was running and he he ran and he didn't see the manhole was open and he he ran and uh people screamed and something caught him they could see in midair that when he went to drop he didn't drop. It was like there was it was solid underneath him. And that was unseen. I believe that was an angel. So we we have many of these stories. I'll tell you another one. There was a, a case where there was a, 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 a large snowstorm and a young man was traveling uh, from college to get home and his car got Stuck. It was a it was a windy, cold, terrible night, and his car got stuck, and there was nowhere around, and he could not get out. And um, he was there for a while, um, trying to figure out what in the world he was going to do. And he said a, a tow truck came and pulled up, 
just happened to see him, tow truck, and the tow truck stopped and said, do you need help? And, and the young man who was, you know, so excited to see him said, yes, yes, I do. And, and the tow truck uh, driver volunteered to pull him home. He took him all the way home. I don't know how many miles it was, but he took him home. And, um, you know, he, he thanked the gentleman. He was ecstatic. He was happy. You know, of course, he'd be home. You know, he went in to tell his parents, and to, you know, what had happened, that this man came and rescued him, and his parents came right out to thank him, and the truck was gone. Not only was the truck gone, but they couldn't find any, the man and the truck, they couldn't find any um, sign of any uh, tire tracks that the truck had left. Amazing. Yeah, so not only can I an angel it. appear, but they can also manifest, apparently, equipment. I mean, there are all kinds of stories. Um, and these are not just, you know, religious people. These are people, uh, stories from all walks of life, um, from all belief systems that have had help from unseen people. Um, often when they manifest, they will manifest in the shape or form that you might expect to see. Maybe, you know, even, the, you know, they'll come as, for example, if, if, if you lived, I don't know, a thousand years ago and, and you believed in a, a pantheon of beings, maybe they would have appeared as, as one of the, you know, the gods or the goddesses, mm-hmm. you know. That's what they do. But they are real and they do help. And you can call on them, whomever they are. And I believe it's from. true. They're there when you, they're there when you need them. You know, they're um, they they intercede when asked, and I I do believe that. Yeah. So you know, those are, I think those are very, um, very good stories. I think it's it's nice to have that knowledge that you can call on someone else. For help, and you not only have angels, you have, you know, you have guardians, you have guides. Um, you, we all have someone. It's been my experience that we all have, you know, I have someone working with me. You know, I've had, I've had, um, you know, little visions and and little, you know, things that have come to me that um, I felt I needed to listen to. For example, once I was. I have my son. He, I, I, I like to tell this story. It's one of my favorite. He was a little little guy then, maybe four, and he was sitting um, in a uh, room with my girlfriend was sitting at the table with me. We were talking, and then my son and her little guy were talking and playing, and we could clearly see them. My girlfriend was quite the talker, and she was involved in this, you know, intense story, and I was getting a message check the door, check the door, check the door. And I wanted to interrupt her, but you know when someone's talking, you don't really want to cut them off. But I could see my son talking and playing. So finally I said to her, you know what, I I need to check the door. Excuse me. So I got up and the door was opened. The front door was opened. And her son was gone. Oh my so God. we could—I could see my son. Her, her back faced the kids. I could see my son sitting there playing. Well, he was talking to his cars. He was talking to the cars. We were talking. Mm-hmm. I thought they were talking together. Her son had gotten up, went to the front door, opened it, and left. 
Oh, my God. Yeah. He, he was okay. Where did they okay. What happened to him? He just went down the street. You know? But no stinker? to him. Yeah. If I hadn't interrupted her to say, you know, I mean, my son's a grown man now, but, I mean, this was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But it's one of my favorite one of my favorite accounts because, and her son was, you know, quite um, a handful, too. We don't, <laughs> don't know <laughs> what could have happened to him out there. I had a nephew you know, like that. Yeah. Those I didn't know would take off. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You never know. Those kinds of experiences happen. We should listen to them. Listen to your intuition. Listen to that little voice that's telling you good things, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> that's telling you, you know, be careful when you drive. I had one time I didn't get in a car accident, but I very clearly had a vision while I was driving. I was in a hurry. I was trying to race one of my kids to school, and I very clearly had a vision of a car accident. And I, the first thing I did was took one of my hands and hit my chest trying to feel my seatbelt. I wasn't wearing it. Yeah. Yes, it's. Uh, I think that all of this is. Uh, um, I think for those that, if we love somebody, I think it's even stronger. The protective instinct. Um, I have a very uh, strong connection with my son, and and it started happening when he moved away, and uh, he's been moving. He's been moving around. He he's like a world traveler, and uh, he well, of course he's here from California. Then he moved to New York, and that's when it started. I started being having a connection with him, and uh, it was I called him, and it must have been. Oh, two or three in the morning, New York time. And he said, Mom, why are you calling me? I said, Mike, I just started worrying about you. What's going on? He said, I'm walking down the street and somebody's following me. I said, did you look at them? I said, you look? I said, yeah. I said, did you look them in the eyes? He left just left the club. I said, did you look them in the eyes? And I said, he said, yes. I said, okay, you're, getting, you're about to get mugged. So first of all, you never eyeball anybody, and I said this is what you do because I don't. I I lived in. I told you I lived in New York, so you never look at anybody. Mm-hmm. I said you walk in the middle of the street and you, you talk to me really loud, you know. So he walked in the middle of the street and he started talking to me really loud, and he turned around. And he said, "Mom, it worked. That guy's gone." I said, "He said, how do you know that?" I said, "I just know what to do." And then another yeah. time. We just know what, you know, and he said, but it's weird that you called me this time of the morning. And then one time he was in China and I had the gall to call him in China because I started worrying about him again. And uh, so I called China. I said, okay, what's up? He said, mom, why are you calling me? I said, well, because I'm worried about you. He said, okay, I'm in China and I am totally (laughs) lost. I said, everything is in Chinese. And he said, I don't know where I am. I said, so I started thinking about where he was. I said, oh, you're in an alley, right? He said, yeah, I'm in an alley. I said, it's okay. Keep walking straight ahead. And I said, until you're right, pretty soon you're going to see a little crowd of people. And he said, and he said, walk. I said, well, keep me on the phone. I said, keep walking, walking. I said, okay, look to your right. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, see that crowd of people? He said, yeah. He said, so walk over there, speak English, and they're a tour group. And he walked over there, and they spoke English. So, you know, how, I mean, it's happened so many times. And so it doesn't matter how how far away you are um, yeah. for me. I know if they're in trouble or not, or what's or how I can help, or you know what I mean. It's just, it's weird. I don't know what you call it. 
Some people call it remote viewing. I don't know what what to call it, but I could actually see where he is and what what he what he needs. And I've a- come to him. I've come to him when he's had and, and my other family and my grandkids when they have bad dreams. I come to them, and I pray for them by just by their bed. And uh, oh. one time, one time my grandson was so freaked out he was. I could see him. I was standing by his bed. Now, this isn't a dream, right? And he was hitting the side of the bed with a whistle bat. You know how they have those bat things that they play in the house? They have whistle balls and bats. Yeah. Anyway, he was hitting the side of the bed, and he was having a terrible nightmare. And I saw I was with him. An angel was with me, and I was praying for him. And I saw a light, open, like a light shine on us, and then it shut. And I, that was it. And so uh, I was praying for him. So in the morning, I called my daughter and I said, I had this dream last night about Mark. And she said, Mom, I'm going to tell you something. You know, my daughter is like an agnostic. I don't know how I got an agnostic kid raised by me, but that's what happened. <laughs> and she said, Mom, I, I opened the bathroom door because Marky was crying. He was having a bad dream. And I saw you standing there. I said, What? Um, she said, Yeah. I said, Well, What's the rule on this? What what does this mean? Because I don't understand. You know, and I'm telling you, yeah. but I don't understand the rules of this. Like, how so, could people see you? You know what I mean? Right, right. Okay, I, she I, saw I, I me. Where were you? You I know. I was I was home sleeping. Okay. But she so, saw yeah. me in in the kids' bedroom, right. standing there. Right. But she actually right. physically saw me. Right. So this happened to me when I was a kid once, too. Um, I saw uh, I was I was home and um, I was there with my mom, my sister, my brother. We were on the floor watching television. My dad worked. Um, I could always hear my dad coming because our our um, driveway was made of gravel, so you could hear the car, you know, coming mm-hmm. over the rocks. Well, my dad just appeared in the kitchen, which was straight past the TV, you know, in the back. And he was standing there and he was smiling. And I I said, Dad, when did you get home? And my mother said, oh, stop being silly. You know your father's not here. And we're we're back to watching the TV. And I I looked at him and he turned around and he walked back through the, the back of the house and left. And I was so shocked. And then years later, the same thing happened to my brother. Well, my dad, I believe, used to take naps at work. And I think after learning what I have now is that we can we can leave, like I told you, we can leave the body and we can go wherever we want to. And we can, you know, be seen. And, and, and it happens. So you don't have to be, wow. have to be a ghost or have passed over. You can leave no. the body and go home. And people can see you. It has happened in my family twice that I know of. Um, we can also bilocate. Wow. Spirit can bilocate. You can be asleep and you can appear to your, your, your brother in Philadelphia and your sister in San Diego. That's called bilocation um, to give a message. Now, Amazing. That, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, the person, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, you know, when that happens. I know when I've left my body, I can, I have conscious out-of-body experiences, or you know, but I don't know if that's everybody. Maybe he was like sleepwalking, you know. But, yeah, 
It happens. So. Maybe he just wanted to be home, too. He's at work and um, he had a nap and wanted to be home for reals. That's right. That's right. Uh, my daughter, uh, when she was younger, said that she saw her father. She, I used to talk about angels at that time more. And um, she had she had gone to sleep. And she woke up and her father was walking through the room. But he didn't. He was in bed sleep. And she says, Mom, did you tell the angels to come visit me? Did you tell them to stop? They came and they looked like they looked like they looked like Dad coming through. Coming, they looked like Dad. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll wow. Not to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, this is because this is real stuff, and people aren't talking about it all the time, but. I think what we're talking about is like this interdimensional and other things that we were saying that are happening that uh, we are either in denial about, but sometimes you just can't stop it from happening. It's just, gonna, you know, I think we have like a, 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 we're trying to grasp onto this three-dimensional life when uh, I think people, well, this just happens to me when I'm sleeping. This is why my name's mine. Now that I'm older, it's happening more when I'm awake, too. But it seems that uh, the more we let go of what we think it should be like, I think people that have a solid spiritual practice, which I probably don't, uh, are able to do this at will. I can't. I'm a little afraid. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid to let go. You know? Yeah. I really, yeah. I really mm-hmm. am. Because I know that there's another kind of existence, but I'm I'm scared to let go of the anchor I have here. I have to admit it. I just said it. I'm I'm admitting that, you know, there's an anchor we have here, like we're anchored Uh to uh something here, and I'm I'm scared to let let go of that. Well, I don't think we have to be. I don't think we have to be scared. I don't think we have to be scared of anything, except for not living our lives to the fullest and not fulfilling our missions. You know, yes. Um, yes, we are anch- we are anchored to the body. Um, I hear that um, there is a silver cord. Have you ever heard of the silver cord? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, and ap- apparently, you know, that that's a thing. Uh, but once, you know, we have a silver cord that uh, is attached. As weird as it may sound, people have seen it. A lot of people have seen it. And um, that is what keeps the the spiritual body, you know, tethered to the physical body. And when that is severed, we're done. We're gone. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting kind of <laughs> anchor-like scenario, but it is fast. You can go many places. It's, we don't understand how the spiritual world works. We don't understand how we can have this, this um, spiritual cord or... Uh, um, you move. We can move at the speed you know, so fast. You can just think you're, and you can be somewhere when you're in your spiritual body. Uh, you don't have to uh, talk. You can think to communicate. It's right. uh, I yeah. I don't. I don't think you have to be scared. I think it's pretty pretty amazing. And uh, given that we don't have a lot of choice, um, we, but to kind of step out of this life eventually, we have to 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 end this life. We have to leave this body. If the body does get yes. worn out, um, we need to you know certainly think about what happens next, uh, how we can uh, make it better, how we can 
plan it or even look forward to it instead of maybe dreading it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Because when you have more less time in front of you than you used to, it's really strange. You start facing your mortality when I didn't used to have a question. So now you get to an age where, you know, you don't have 60 years in front of you. You have more like 20 years in front of you. It's kind of a shock, you know, like you don't have as much time as you thought you did. So it's a, it's a weird time. You know, it's it's happening to me. You know, I'm realizing that the, uh, there's a lot less time in front of me. And there's a lot I yeah. thought, that I thought, I don't know what I thought, but, you know, I'm in a weird time. I guess this is the the time where you actually start thinking like that. <laughs> you start wondering, okay, did I do everything I was supposed to do? Am I, you know, where am I supposed to be or whatever? Yeah, that's everybody. Everybody has to get there. Many people, yeah. are, you know, the whole world has been there. Uh, you're not alone, you know. We're all going yes. through it. And um, the young people don't understand that time no. runs out. That's why I say people should be living their life to the fullest. And also, kind of, as weird as it may sound, preparing mentally, you know, for the other side, because that's that's a change. But it's real. We don't lie. I mean, we don't die. Um, there is life after death. Um, that's right. And I like to say life, life after life. You know, there that's is something right. more. And you just have to embrace that and believe it and, you know, look forward to a time where you're going to – you know, be with with people that have crossed over that you would love to see again. Um, from my understanding of people who have had near-death experiences, there is life over there. There is work over there. There are things to do. It's not sitting around on a cloud with a heart <laughs> looking down. No, there's lots to do. There's... Uh... People you love, there's, uh, you know, there's rapture. There's, uh, you're with uh, you're the heavenly beings. You're not separated anymore from anybody. It's a joyous time when you cross over. Yeah, it's a joyous the time. people on the other side. The people here that are grieving, it's, it's yeah. really sad and it hurts. It hurts. It's a horrendous. But then on the other side, they're celebrating because they, you know, they get to see you again. You you go home. Um, oh, that's beautiful. So, but so I have one I'd more like book. To... Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was no, just going to say gonna... you have one more book we didn't talk about. That was the Encyclopedia of God. And mm-hmm. uh, I found all your stuff on Amazon. And... Uh, <laughs> What was, what was uh, what else did you want to talk about? Because we're coming up on a second hour. Right, right. We I think we we said two hours. Yeah. Yes. I think. Okay, so uh, the God book. I'll just really quickly was uh, a book that I just wanted something uh, out there that talked about different um, beliefs in God. Who is God? What is God? Where is God? Um, and uh, just look at the different cultural and religious beliefs of God. Um, interestingly enough, that kind of leads me into what I was going to say. I, I call it my, I have nicknames for all my books. So while I was writing my God book, I had some interesting things going on in my home. I had mentioned my father passing earlier. Both of my parents have passed, by the way, and I know mm-hmm. we're going to end soon, so I'll try to get both of these stories in. Um, so when my father passed, uh, 
he was, I, I said, he was doing things in the house like turning on lights, um, messing with the electronics, and we all knew it was him. Um, eventually he started, um, I call it his MO. Once he let us know he was there for weeks, <laughs> he started just changing the uh, clock on our VCR at the time. He would change that um, to let us know he was around or saying hello. And um, my husband would kind of, you know, grumble and say, oh, your dad's changing the clock again on the VCR. You know, I have to change it back. It's not easy to change it back. But um, when my sister was passing, the VCR clock started kind of spinning the time. It was going, you know, quicker, time changing, to let us know that she, he was there. And then it stopped when she passed. So I've got some uh, experiences there. But my point in, in oh, in my mother. When my mother passed about a year ago, I was in Virginia, and I, my brother and I were taking care of her estate, and we would go to dinner at night, and I was in a restaurant, and I was very heavily involved with my, my being down and grieving. I went to the ladies' room, and in the stall, in the bathroom, in the stall, I found a note uh, that said, it was very strange, it was on the to- back of the toilet, it said, um, the soul is continuous and forever. And it was a little note written with this smiley face, the way she used to make her smiley faces. That was an apport. So now I'm going to get into, uh, get into this. An apport is a gift from the other side. You may have a, a, a relative or friend or whomever that has crossed over that may try to reach you. They have many ways of communicating. An apport is one way. You may find uh, pennies. You hear people say they find coins or pennies. They know it's from somebody. That's, those are apports. They can materialize things. As weird as it sounds, they can. There have been people who found, um, you maybe, you know, like if you have what your mother says, I'm going to send butterflies or I'm going to send a rose after I, I cross over. I'm going to leave you this. People find these little gifts from the other side. My mother left a little note for me. I literally went into the bathroom stall and closed the door and turned around, and there was a little note there, and I don't believe it was a coincidence. Um, now, you, I think people need to Beautiful. know that they need to look. They, <laughs> thank you. It was it was, you know, quite amazing. It was quite amazing. But I, uh, I want people to know before I go to look out for signs from the other side. They may try their, they, oh, my dad. When my dad, he literally ripped a cord to get my attention out of the wall from a lamp behind the couch. He took that thing out. And I said, you know, Dad, you can appear in a dream. Don't just, you know, pop in on me. So he did. He came in a dream, and he it looked like he was saying, see, I heard his voice, and he came in. But I started crying, and I woke up, so he never got to talk to me. But he did it. The easiest way is um, through electronic manipulation, TVs going on and off, lights going on and off, computers acting wacky. I was right, That's what, why I brought the God book up. When I was working on the God book, my dad was doing all of these things, and I was trying to write, and he was like, messing with my computer, and I didn't get it. I didn't get that that was him. So I couldn't figure out what was wrong with the computer. Oh, my God. And so um, so I know it was him now because he started doing other things in the house. So look for electronic manipulation. If you have pictures, you know, fall off a counter or something of the individual, that's a sign. 
these are they try they try to find creative ways to contact you because you can't see them. It's not so scary. Okay, and it's not so weird. They exist. They can see you. They can hear you. They want to tell you that they love you. Um, they want to hug you. They want to kiss you. But they're in a different form. And it's hard for us to embrace that idea because we are physical here on earth. But I tell you, when we leave our body, when we die and cross over, when we leave at night, we think we're dreaming, but we're in the astral realm, we are in a realm that feels solid. Every dimension, every realm feels solid when you're in, 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 a, in that body, just like we just feel solid here. But we can't see them. We don't know enough here about different dimensions and realms, but we're learning. We know they exist. Yes. We know something happens. So I'm just telling people, keep their, 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 uh, their eyes out for signs of your loved ones after they leave because they will most likely try to reach you to let you know that they're okay. I totally agree. It's happened to me so many times that, you know, they've let me know and it come to me. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, and we're never really dead. We're just passed from this existence to the next. And that's just, I don't know, that's the way it's rigged up for some reason. You know, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's, un, it's unusual. This is a, a very unusual life. You know, it's just not, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's rich and it's filled with a lot of beauty and mystery and uh, very uh, uh, just multidimensional and intricate and many twists and turns. And, you know, you've really covered so much of it. And I really want to say thank you so much for bringing this to us. And your books are just fabulous. And uh, you've really gone out to... Uh, present this to us in your books Encyclopedia of the Moon Mysteries uh, Encyclopedia of Angels Encyclopedia of God Encyclopedia of the Unseen World which I, I found easily on um, Amazon by Constance Victoria Briggs and uh, would you want to close out with any special thing Miss Constance uh yeah, I just want to say that the books in general, the reason uh, that they're encyclopedias are because I wanted to make it easy for people to get their hands on the information in bite-sized pieces. They're very easy to read. And, you know, just you use them. If you get any of them, just use them as a jump-off point for further research. Um, and just remember that, you know, we have a lot of lessons to learn in this lifetime. Take advantage of it. You know, we don't have forever, and we're going to carry what we learn here with us. And I wish everybody to just, you know, the best during this weird coronavirus time. Live life to your fullest. And, um, but know that you have friends in the, in the unseen world. That's the truth. And I want to thank you so much for, for sharing with us and for being on the show. And uh, I'd like to invite you back for another whole segment, uh, when, you know, because we're going to get past this someday, and then there'll be a whole new thing to talk about. And I'd love to have you back. <laughs> I, have, I have lots of stories. I'd love to come back. I know. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Uh, Char, you're, Char, you're wonderful. I've enjoyed talking to you as well. Thank I you have, so much I've, for having me on. 
thank you so much for being on, and God bless you, and, and you and your family stay well and healthy. And I miss, I wish you much, much prosperity and happy and healthiness and everything. So stay well, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. You okay. take good care of okay. yourself. I will. You take care. Uh, okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So uh, a wonderful lady and uh, author, and I highly suggest getting her books. I, I really, really have enjoyed uh, enjoyed them. And I just got on Amazon, easy easy to pick them up. I got them. Uh, they're also available on, um, you know, on your, your e-reader. And uh, you can order the hard copy, either one. And uh, I appreciate everything so much. And appreciate uh, her being on the show. It's been a really amazing night. And I wish all of you guys all the best. Take care of yourself. Wear your mask. Do what you're supposed to be doing to sanitize and everything else because I want you to stay healthy. We can get through this mess together. Just get through it together but separately, if you know what I mean. So, anyway, so get Constant Victoria, Constant Victoria Briggs uh, books, Encyclopedia of Moon Mysteries, and Encyclopedia of Angels, Encyclopedia of God, and Encyclopedia of Unseen World. All of it is very interesting. And it is done in encyclopedia form, so you can pick it up anywhere and start reading from anywhere. And I totally enjoyed it. So I appreciate everybody listening and uh, appreciate you sharing. And come back next week. We'll have another new episode. And also we have Sacred Sunday. It's, it's on Sundays, and we're in Revelation. So I welcome you there. So I'll talk to you later. God bless you. Love you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.